If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried, the girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to win. Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And this is between the double episode and our missing an episode. It's just an episode of our podcast. Um, But you better be wearing a seatbelt because that's the title of the episode. Episode nine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, Joe, I... Okay, so this episode title, it said by high, right? Yes. And, like, the worst moment of the episode, I think. Like, uh, this episode, that that segment at Tribal, where he's like, let me make a <laughs> an illusion, was so bad. I, uh. Yeah, sometimes... Hi just tries so hard and it mm. works in specific episodes but then other times I'm like eh. <laughs> very I know very dramatic for the sake of being dramatic I feel right like he's being so over the top here and he doesn't his plan doesn't even work mm-hmm. <laughs> he votes like you know he's trying to take out Romeo and fails again yeah but yeah overall like this is like an okay episode I I'm still I think every week lowering and lowering this season on my like overall rankings like i i i'm not loving it like i mean it's my favorite show um there's a lot to like there's some fun segments this week as always i just don't think this is i don't think this is a season i I, or honestly i don't think many people are gonna look back at that positively i think there's a lot of recency bias going on but still yeah on the other side this episode's really flat i think it's easily the worst of the season so far agreed um and yeah it sort of shows the potential for it to lower for me i think either it sort of really sticks to the majority and they have control or um just yeah this one flat episode sort of putting the others in context and being like oh when when you take away some of the high stakes moments the characters maybe don't work as strongly i don't know i'm not i'm not giving up fully yet but i see it yeah like i don't know i was talking to a friend this week and i'm like Honestly, like, the ninth best character last season is better than the best characters this season. Like, I'd put Nasir as a character, I think, over just about everybody here, and I would not have Nasir at the top of 41. I I think that says a lot, like... Because you're right, this was an episode where there was no stakes. Like, they don't even present an option to flip, which I'm glad they didn't. Because, you know, we saw that being a failure in Ghost Island, I think to some degree in Island of the Idols, or even South Pacific, right? These are are merges defined by, like, will Albert, will Laurel, whoever, flip, and every time it's no... And then you just feel like a complete waste of time. At least now they're presenting the two options who are actually getting votes, like, and making a discussion. So I actually wanted to give them some points there, because this is definitely better than the alternate universe episode of this 
um, of the season where they're debating between High and um, Chanel, and then they all the votes are on Chanel. You know what I mean? Like that's this is yeah. way better than that version. Uh, which well, I, I think in another season we would have gotten. I think the curious thing is that this episode is just totally devoid of like any insidious nature within the majority. They're oh. all they're all like we're the majority. We're not voting against each other. No one is even considering that. And I think that's sort of the other. It's almost the other extreme from what you're talking about, where they really want to be like, oh, this majority could break up at any moment, and so they would pin it on someone like High, and then High would get no vote. But mm-hmm. I, I still feel I'm missing some of that. Like, surely this... But... Oh, keep going, Joe. I don't know, I was gonna say, like, surely this majority is at least thinking for past the seven and can sort of give us even the smallest, like, not even who they're going for, but who they would stick with when it gets to that point. Right, and in a weird way, Joe, I think that might be a really bad sign for this majority. Like... It, it feels so oxymoronic to say, but the fact that this majority is just presenting as, like, a blob with no inner turmoil at all, like, there's no tension. Think about those seasons I listed off, South Pacific, Ghost Island, Island of the Idols. I think those are the most egregious examples of, like, fake tension inside the majority that never comes to play out ever. Uh, those are all also majorities that did it. They won. But you know what I mean? Like they they did successfully do the Pagong. Um, and then they needed to tell a story after everybody else left, and so that inner turmoil presented the rest of the season, right? Uh the fact that this one doesn't have any inner tension to me means it's probably not lasting. Hmm. And yeah, I mean I think the next episode sort of twist sort of paves the way for that. And I know there's differing opinions on how good it is that it is it like at a good point in the game but i'm excited for it to bring some chaos to the season i don't want to see like i feel like every time it's just the majority kills two people (laughs) uh oh like nasir going last time was oh yeah that's true different but he was still the bottom of the you know what i mean like he was in it but he was like the least valuable you know I don't know, like, I guess for context, we're talking about, you know, next time on, we see that this is clearly going to be that unmerged situation. So, you know, two people are going to go, it's going to be two tribes of five, uh, both voting somebody off. I feel like this is always, like, this is one of these twists that I think is meant to help the minority, but I don't think it ever has. Like, I'm thinking of good examples, like, like this is where Michael and Ghost Island leaves, right? Like, Michael and Jenna? Yeah. That's two Malolo underdog members uh, in Island of the Idols. It's um i mean it's missy and um elizabeth aaron. right oh no and aaron right right, right right yeah and so like again you know two people like not in the majority you know it's, it's like not the people on the super like bottom are going but still True. that wasn't any of tommy lauren nora so <laughs> yeah yeah, 100%. Like, it's I, I, mixed results so far. Um, So I, I'm going to be expecting... Like, honestly, I think this story makes a whole lot of sense if we get rid of two. Um, what are they calling them? We're call, uh, what, what did Omer call them this week? It was, like, the... Um, Un like unconnected or something like that. Uh, the people who aren't in that group, um, uh, outsiders, maybe outliers. Or... Outliers, those outliers, yeah. Um, and so he's talking about these outliers. I think it makes a whole lot of sense if two of them go, and then maybe then we go into like a more complicated game. Something like that could maybe make sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Interested to, for next week. I do always hate these two hour. 
or sorry, one hour to boot episodes. Like this guy suck to leave on. Yeah. I don't know. I am optimistic for whatever may happen. I think I have an interesting, I mean, we'll see how it changes, but I have an interesting next boot prediction, I think. Ooh. And so. like, to be fair, like I know I just brought up like two examples or whatever. Like this has only been done like two or three times. And inherently, like it's such a small sample size to say like it will always cause the minority to be screwed over. It is like is like not a good way to analyze data, right? Like this happened before, but in the alternative universe where it didn't happen, were those people just going to go anyway? In most of those cases, it's probably yes, right? Like um, yeah. So you know, not a uh, not perfect science there, but just not great. Honestly, I think it's mostly been the, the draws so far have just been terrible in general for for the minority. Mm-hmm. Speaking of draws. We have this fun little moment in the episode where uh, Drea doesn't like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Just like, screw it. I don't want it. Um, and, and this, like, the way that the universe has these magnetic attractions to things that uh, are indescribable. Drea is just connected on a molecular level to these <laughs> torn pieces of par- parchment wherever they are. Cause very, very sad idols this season. Like, she holds them up and they're just, like, oh, they're- with, like, like, craft store beads. I was like, come on. <laughs> I hate it. Okay, like, mini tangent. Like, at some point in the 30s, they decided, and I remember this was, I think it must have been right after Ghost Island. Uh, I remember, like, watching an interview, and that's intentional. They want them to be very ratty looking so that fake idols are more believable. I think that's so stupid. Like, one, fake idols almost never affect anything. Like, and when someone looks at it, they don't believe it. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's always like the, like the ones that worked, it's like the rock in uh, <laughs> Rupert's pocket or the, like, everyone knows publicly that Xander has it. So he just has something else. Like, that's what works. Not the, like, oh, that's a really believable fake. I don't know. Yeah. I like the pretty ones. Yeah. I like Wendell having to use a giant, <laughs> super unergonomic immunity necklace <laughs> and carry it around. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wish they were a little bit prettier. But overall, you know, like, yeah, there's this... Uh, Drea finds it, like, and there's this cute little segment of... They do, like, a old-fashioned drum set for her to pick up all the advantages. Like, it's kind of a cute editing touch. I don't know if it was a good editing touch, but um, that was a cute little segment there. And is just such a fun character to have these things, because it is so unorthodox for Survivor. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I really, I like the the red-handed twist me too that was so i mean it's weird like how is it gonna play out in the future which i think is a big thing of the season is like so much of it is we did these things twice in a row so what will next season's contestants be expecting but i really liked how she just unearths this like tube and then dunks her hand in it and like immediately all this red paint spills out it felt very very saw i love the saw movie so it really did feel like saw right like her hand got sliced um yeah i I, i'm with you there and i mean on that note of like what it looks like in the future i don't think we'll see many of these things in the i mean we'll see what they lead to in the future like i think we'll continue to see beware advantages um (laughs) but we won't see these machinations and 
the reason I think that is at the start, Jeff, of this season, Jeff says, hey, uh, audience, this is, and I think this is the first time it's ever been confirmed to the audience at home that these are filmed back to back, right? Like, I know us nerds know that, but to the casual fan, they, like, if you go on Facebook, it's very clear that a lot of people think this is live, um, (laughs) for example, Um, but maybe not anymore, right? Jeff has said, hey, these are filmed back to back so we can do these tricks. Uh, but that also means production is very keenly aware of that and uh, knows that and they've cued the audience up to be like, we're doing this twice as a social experiment to see what changes and what doesn't. Like the exact same format, the same twists, everything like that. So most of this stuff probably will not come back is my guess. Yeah, but I think you're still going to get people who are like hyper aware of what people are saying at Tribal Council or... Mm-hmm. People very intentionally going for that bench or looking at that bench to see what appears to be there so they know the person who sits out might get it. Well, um, in fairness, though, I mean, if correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe this is true. Uh, Sarah Lucina finds an advantage on the set of yeah. bench, right? Like, so it's not like this is a new thing. Like, if anything, it's more, why didn't Xander find it, right? Like, I feel like if you're sitting out at this point in Survivor, like, you have to just, like, scour the bench. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know. I, I feel, looking at this cast and how maybe they're not the most exciting characters, but they all seem to be fans who are, like, savvy to the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they keep up that casting, it's going to be more people who are very attuned to that and will all Right, like, you know what I mean? Like, why not sit out of a reward challenge? Like, especially with Drea here. The tribes are already drafted, right? Like, or the the teams. And Jonathan's not on her team, and that other team looks stacked. And then she decides to leave. Like, really, you're way worse off calorie-wise losing a reward challenge than sitting out of one, right? With no chance to win. Like, I don't know. It could also be that, right? Like, why not ask to sit out every time? Like, why participate in the reward challenge, really? Yeah. Or it's, like, a great opportunity to start doing, like, picking again. And, like, the last person left out, like, like well, showing then, that strategy, but... I think the issue there, like, with the schoolyard pick, because I'm usually an advocate for that, too, is, like, I mean, one, they often do it, right? Like, they just don't show you. But the seasons with where they say, like, hey, buy schoolyard pick, the teams are, like, always the exact same, right? Like, because, like, no matter what, who a captain is, Jonathan's going to be the first pick, right? And then... I don't know, Dre is the second pick no matter what, right? So every single time they do it, the teams are more or less going to look the same. Mm-hmm. Like, Dre is going to be on one team, Jonathan's going to be on the other team. You know, Tori's going to be on one team. Like, inherently, you're going to kind of tear these people out of who's the most capable, and and then you're just going to get the same team over and over again. But I think that last person left over, there's a little bit of intrigue in who but doesn't it might be the same picked. person every time. <laughs> hey, as somebody who's had that experience, Joe, it sucks. <laughs> That's true. It's like, hey, no one wants to be on my dodgeball team? Come on! But yeah, um, overall, like the red-handed twist and like the the machinations and stuff after the tribe, like at at camp were fun. Like, good on Tori for catching it. That was an odd, like, best person to find it, right? Like, Tori is just like this, like, demon agent of chaos on this tribe uh, who also seems to have no power at all other than spreading secrets. Like, she talks about Aurora challenges being a chance to spread some more secrets. It's just great. Like, she's just a chaos demon. Yeah. Someone talks to all of Chanel, Romeo, and Marianne about how the vote didn't go their way, and then no one, like, Tori's just missing <laughs> no yep. what she thought. She must just be, like, like tanning on the beach or something, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it seems, like, how the episode presents it is that nobody talks to her, ever. Mm-hmm. Which is real, except for at rewards, which is really funny. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, um... And, like, I mean, 
Uh, I wanted to shout out something here. I was going to mention it with Tori, but I'll mention it now. Um, we, I think we've seen now why we had that like pre-merge um, Tori-Jonathan story of Tori being like, it's so unfair. He's like a Goliath. And like, what's the, what's the point of even trying in these challenges to ha- then have her go on a streak beating him you know, twice in a row? Uh, yeah. I, I think that that's actually pretty good foreshadowing. So good job there. For sure. Uh, it's, it, like, they've, they've actually done a pretty good job. Like, I know I was kind of critical out the gate here, but they have done a pretty good job foreshadowing, setting up good relationships and stories and stuff like that. Like, it actually is a pretty, like, relationship-heavy season in a way, um, which is fun, right? Like, and for me, it's weird because that's a drawback in a way and a strength because I think the characters are less good. Like I said earlier, I think, you know, other than like, honestly, Tori, Mike, Marianne, I guess, to some degree, Jonathan, I don't think you're getting like particularly amazing characters, um, but the relationships are all pretty well developed. And that is also like that. That's worth a lot, too, in terms of the product, understanding what's going on. Maybe right now we know too well. <laughs> the relationships because there's no drama at all but like to me this isn't a bad season of survivor it's just like an okay one an okay survivor is still better than pretty much everything else on tv right yeah i think sometimes in that characters because we know so much about them with each other we have to rely on that as opposed to who they are individually and i think the people you listed are people who have managed to shine individually yeah honestly i think my big thing here is like we're getting some repetitive content now at this point like in terms of stories or like reasons people like each other and like it's really cool when two people unite over like one common thing uh but then when that person then connects with another person on that same common thing and then another person on that common thing eventually it's like okay so that's just this the first person you know what i mean like these aren't these amazing bonds is just like oh that's what's gonna happen you know stuff like that is starting to happen and that just is for me more of a bad sign for the future than right now you know yeah i really want some of these relationships to fracture or develop i guess they like each other too much really (laughs) other than the majority hating the minority member on their tribe like yeah you know what i mean like they're all they all like each other except drea hates tori they all like each other except uh mike hates chanel like (laughs) that's it really like that's the only tension and there's no there's actually no tension because one of them just has no power and one of them has all the power you know yeah it's not a fight it's like a it's like a mercy killing brutal speaking of brutal um evidently ponderosa is gone yeah apparently they sent home just most of like the crew that facilitates that obviously like not chanel and other jury members um but yeah it's it's not something i watched live but it seems like such a fun part of the show that i don't want to see go it's sort of like um like when they would talk about the people who had gone at the finale or um like the intro thing it's just they're sort of trimming away what they think is fat and mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to see all those things go. So hopefully it comes back. It's just a result of the weird um, filming situation but we shall see. Yeah and like okay so like no offense to CBS but like I feel like they could m- make a killing by putting these on Paramount Plus. Don't they? I thought they were exclusive to Paramount Plus now. Yeah they're not. They don't exist Joe. Yeah but I mean, they literally don't have the crew. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I guess I just think, why would, like, why are they considered less? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. that. Yeah. I, we yeah. don't know the exact situation. Like, from what it seems like, they were just having, like, travel issues or something. 
Um, but still, I'm a little bit worried that, you know, sometimes something like this will happen for travel issues or something, but then mm. it's never seen again. You know, like the root cause of this one not being there might actually be the travel issues, but then it might just be they don't invite them back, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in, in this pandemic era you it sort of gave us a way to see a lot of things across society that like oh we didn't need to do it that way and ponderous mm-hmm. is such a small one in the scope of all of this but i don't want to see it go not that i was particularly clamoring to see just chanel at ponderosa <laughs> uh, she sort of fell off for me at the end in terms of as a character but... yeah i really liked her like <laughs> like when she was less involved when I was like, oh, there's potential, and then yeah, she was okay. Yeah, we'll talk more about her later, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, and she mixed up a metaphor about uh, chess and checkers, like, there's stuff like that for me that I'm like, mmm, <laughs> walking you back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so Rip Ponderosa, hope it's back, like, giant missed opportunity if it's not, like, we'll go out there and film it for you for free, Survivor, like, <laughs> anything. Um, I think I think the the sort of what makes it so sad now is like we're missing like Tori at Ponderosa. That could be great. Marianne at Ponderosa. Donovan at Ponderosa. Like like there's so much potential that we know we're not mm-hmm. going to get now. Yeah, like I think I think this would actually be a good Ponderosa group. And like I always look forward. I don't watch any of the additional stuff or the secret scenes or anything like that until okay. the season's over. Or actually, that's not true. I watch them before the finale. So. Uh, the penultimate episode, I basically will then go and watch everything that is there. Um, and then that's always a ton of fun for me. And then when the season's over, I really like having that there because uh, another underrated part of it is the jury talks videos, which like really we get like such a weird filtered view of what the jury thinks with file tribal that having those jury talk videos is so helpful in knowing like, Oh, okay. So this is who, uh, was actually being debated between, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like for example, uh, survivor triple H, like without those videos, you wouldn't know that Chrissy was actually drawing dead. Unfortunately, and the jury was basically deb- deb- debating between Ben and Ryan. And they they decided Ben, but, like, Chrissy was basically getting her votes no matter what, but was not getting any more. And really, it was, like, a fierce debate between Ben and Ryan. You don't get that without those jury talk videos, right? Like, you're just like, oh, Ryan came third and only Devin wanted to vote for him, you know? Like, stuff like that really does matter a lot. Yeah, and it, that context comes in exit interviews and stuff, too. Like, it's very important for last season, uh, sort of bizarrely, like, Xander getting no votes and yeah. what all of that actually meant. But, but yeah, I... But- even there like with exit interviews or anything after the season the difference is like they've seen the show right like they they know how these people are presented and i think sometimes you get liars or people trying to bending bending the truth a little bit whereas Mm -hmm. these jury talks videos are always right before tribal like what are you thinking of and you can actually see their thought process um right like to me it doesn't mean it make much if like you know kyle jason and, and um and uh, Korong, once he sees the show, it's like, oh, I wish I voted Aubrey. That, to me, is actually meaningless information versus hearing why he did it in the time. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, so uh, speaking of sad, I just wanted to highlight last season, I was extremely complimentary for the music of Survivor. 
and I think they were killing it the whole way through. You have the Shan song being like remixed and introduced in all these cool new moments. This season's music is bad, and I don't know why, but like, okay, so at the immunity challenge, definitely recommend going to where Jonathan falls. And there's like a sci-fi space opera guitar riff going on, like as he falls, like they're like they are introducing like electro pop into the music, and it does not work at all for me with like the island backdrop at all. Like it just it, it is so freaking weird. Do you have any thoughts on the on, on the music, Joe? I've said before that I. I tend to not focus on the music. Um, that being said, I remember last episode, there were just a lot more like musical things and places where it seemed like they were actually trying. I feel like before that, in this episode again, it's just very sparse or it's all falling into the background. It's not complementing what we're seeing. I, yeah, I haven't been impressed like I was last season. I think, I think they do a good job when they have adequate inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes I think they flounder in sound when they're not sure where to go. Um, yeah. It's sort of like, we didn't mention it last episode, but the when the big boulder came back, like you could hear the boulder crunching along. And I don't, once again, I don't know if it's actually making those noises, but I they want to make us know that there's a boulder rolling. So, yeah, but it's not like terrible i just like there was like weird drum percussion stuff all throughout this episode like this is the first episode where like before i just haven't haven't been impressed whereas this episode i think made some weird choices like there's like there's like um like a a, a snare drum just kind of like uh going through a lot of this episode uh it just it, it was not their best work um i'm sure they tried very hard and, and spent a lot of time but it just didn't quite work with what they were going for i think um but i don't know what do i know um <laughs> uh so any other general thoughts on the episode joe i don't think so tori was using that uh peridium approved strategy to win the immunity yeah um, i'm actually pretty impressed by that like that's how you know somebody really really wants to be on survivor is they know all those kind of things yeah that's yeah i i hope to see more of that because i'm sure she she really studied up and and yeah i know we'll get to tori much later but i'm fully for the uh tori fan train that is extremely controversial yeah <laughs> but like, i don't care as a tv character she's really good like it seems like as a player she's very bad like so you know like <laughs> um, you can get at least be given nuanced approach there um like whatever she's done socially to have absolutely no relationships at all woof but uh speaking of which let's jump here into the stories and i think this is actually an episode that while i don't think is super important in in the grand scheme of things i do think they used as a um opportunity to sort of pivot the stories in interesting ways um do you agree with that um at first i kind of thought like oh this is very plot focused like i wasn't getting a lot of story connection but it is definitely bringing stuff to the forefront and continuing to reinforce and develop some of these so it was a little wrong to begin with <laughs> so yeah to, to start with we have honestly like i don't know if this is a new theme or if it's just like a, gonna be the metaphor they use a lot like i don't I guess I'm curious your thoughts here is this idea of High's metaphor of the car where 
Some people are driving, some people are sleeping at the wheel, some people are passengers, all this sort of stuff. My instinct is that this is mostly just a metaphor. Uh, however, we have seen, you know, people try to run the game and leave shortly after. So what are you thinking here, Joe? I, so it was, it's now been in two episodes, which is why I'm like, here it's back. I'm not excited personally watching it because A, I don't think it's just a very good metaphor. It's garbage. Um, Everyone sort of really stumbles over it at Tribal, like... Chanel's like full like repeat of automobile. Oh my just... god, yeah, automobile was so bad. <laughs> just like why why did Jeff say that? Why did Chanel repeat it back? So many things. I really like I will say Lindsay seems to have sort of the best approach. Like I'm way up on Lindsay this episode. So... Lindsay's the only one who did anything with this metaphor. Um but yeah, and it's also retread essentially from season 38 or those passengers and pilots. Like yeah. they switched their vehicle. And, but, like, planes are cooler than cars. Yeah, very... I guess it might be more of, like, a road trip metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. And I think we have this with a few themes going forward, but I don't know quite where to side yet. <clears throat> like, as much as Lindsay had the most logical thought, I liked it a lot, but I also see where you could take Marianne's as right or take High's perspective as right. I don't think we're taking High's as right, but it could be valid. I don't know, especially when we're in this solid majority picking off the minority part of the game. Like, that's mm-hmm. such a weird metaphor to use. Right, yeah, it's like... Because, yeah, you're right. They're picking who they're bringing on the road trip with them, which doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know. Like, there's not a space in the bus? Stupid. Yeah, I think if I think it's positive for any people, it would be Lindsay and Marianne sort of perspectives, I yeah. think, resonate the most with me. Um, highs really feel if you feel say like automobile, they- you get voted out. <laughs> Yeah, um, High's sort of thought, it just doesn't match with what is actually happening in the game where he doesn't get his way. He's never the actual driver. No, it's he's- like, honestly, the story, Joe, is I think he thinks he's driving, but he's not. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole time he's being like, he has confessionals where High is saying uh, things along the lines of, I will never be a passenger, I want agency, and then he votes out his number one ally. <laughs> And then he votes out the person that he was trying to make the best bond with on the bottom and fails to get out Romeo. Like, this is a story that we are meant to not view him in the kindest light. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we'll continue to see where this is going. I agree. I think it looks better. Honestly, it looks the best for the people who didn't talk about it. Um, And then better, I would say, I agree, for Lindsay and Marianne. Um, Speaking of which, let's jump here. I think this is the one that is the most relevant this week. So it's the idea of physicality, the strong versus the weak theme, right? So uh, last week we get the clarification of this also having shields involved, right? So Marianne says a problem now is a shield later. Uh, which, again, pretty profound, pretty smart. Um, And then we also have everybody and their aunt wanting Jonathan to be their shield, right? So um, what I found interesting this week is this is the first... I'm I'm on the fence here because this is the first time we get any negativity about the big group, right? So last week was um, very pro-strength. 
right? It was, look how cool it is. This is the mega powers. This is the Avengers assembling. The cool, big, strong people all working together. They're tired of being picked off just for being strong. It's so hard being strong and cool. Uh, this week, we kind of got the introduction of Mary Ann's yeah. underdog arc to upset that. Which obviously makes them look kind of mean, but at the same time, you also have the introduction of Romeo's paranoid, uh, Chanel is just hopeless and not doing anything, and Tori is Tori. So it's like, the entire outlier group is actually being edited very negatively, except Marianne. So there's three of them, and one of them's gone, but... You know, two of them now, you're left with Tori and um, Romeo, both probably your most negative character at this point, other than Roxroy, are the only ones. Yeah, I think, I know we just picked up on a a theme, like, I don't know what we're rooting for here. I think part of it may be really focusing on the idea of shields. Like, I can see that playing out really positively for some of the people in that big alliance where they're using it correctly. I can also see where that works for maybe just Marianne in that it becomes this humongous battle of shields and no one is shielded like the person who was originally on the bottom. So I think that's a way it could work out. But yeah, it's it needs to turn quickly. I think we talked about it last episode too, but they're running out of numbers to even flip it. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, as sort of looking at if someone can get that perspective on the big alliance and be like, whoa, this isn't going to work out for me in the end. I need to go the other way. Like next episode's, I feel like the last stop. Otherwise yep. we're headed somewhere else. So, well, <clears throat> no, you're right. But like, also, I mean, this could be your final nine or eight or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and, and then they're going to need a new story, which is fine. I just clearly there's going to be more to it. I don't think this is like when we look back on the season, it's not going to be the season of the strong versus the weak. Right. I think our other themes that we're going to talk about in a minute, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, <laughs> but right now it's the most important plot line. <laughs> so uh, and, and it's, I, I think the fact that to kind of introduce the next theme here, the idea of the most well-rounded person will win the season obviously goes inherently against this idea, right? So to me, it's very clear at some point we're going to get a uh, divorcing of these themes and might just be getting rid of some of these people that don't fit at all before then. Um, Cause yeah, like, I don't know. We know high and Mike are close, but we know Mike's close to everybody. Right. So it, it, it's so hard to know even what's going to happen when this breaks or when this uh, even is the end. So um, it's interesting. And all I can think of is this, what I kind of laid out with, you know, the two that are negative and, Marianne. Honestly, I think next week we might lose uh, Tori and Romeo. That, like, that's what I'm thinking, because then that makes a whole lot of sense, where you then have the majority and Marianne, and that's it. That's actually kind of, to me, makes sense as the story, is you end up with everybody, and then the girl who's super worried about being weird and not fitting in, and she's the only one who doesn't. And what does that mean for the story moving forward? I think that's where we're going, if I had to guess, but not sure. Sid, I'm trying to think if I'm if I just don't want that to happen because I don't want to lose a great character and someone I feel like I still don't feel like Romeo's going soon like his story is just so weird but I I think that is a valid way for it to go I kind of wonder if just as easy it next week's 
twist is the catalyst that lets it sort of break apart mm-hmm. and yeah. people they're able to survive and that's what breaks apart the alliance but i i if i had to guess i would say i feel yours is more likely unfortunately i just want it to be the other way yeah i'm just thinking like what makes the most sense for this story right and like maybe now's the time to talk about it but it's very clear like it's not like in the past we've had like the cool kids versus the like the the nerds who deserve more credit or whatever right we're not getting that it's like the majority who are good in their own ways and then the outliers who are mostly bad but then marianne is great you know what i mean and it's i don't think we've ever had that where it's it's not even like the majority's mean or like the goliath's not like letting anybody in it's just like they are a group and marianne's not in it and that causes the drama because she hasn't been in groups in her past and that Mm -hmm. is her emotional journey of of not being included and and it's it's interesting that way right it's not cool kids versus nerds or anything like that it's it's majority versus marianne right like jonathan versus marianne kind of as a cipher right yeah so interesting that way um additionally here like i mentioned before this idea of the most well-rounded person will win the season still think this is the thesis for the for the season um and i think at this point we have a pretty clear idea what this means um i think it really is about having more depth than people would have expected initially i think is a, a good way to round this out so if you're Jonathan, it's actually being a little bit smarter than the average hulking monster man, right? Like, if you're Marianne and you're goofy and silly, it's about being more strategically adept and surprising people with your insight, right? Like, than, than initially seen. If you're Mike, it's... um looking rough and actually being really sweet, having a good social game, and being street smart, right? Um, and knowing your weaknesses, all that sort of thing. I think I think that's really what this is saying. And whoever most embodies that, like I said, those are the three that I think most embody it. Um, and you know, they're the three I'm probably the highest on. So um, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. And I think the more people talk about this, the higher I will raise them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just continues to be where you see it in almost every character, like Roxroy. Even like we get this very negative picture to start with, and then they use the Hourglass Island to sort of develop him even more as like why he might be this way um yeah this season's been all about like finding what people are underneath the surface and Mm -hmm. how they interact with people so definitely super important i i think i initially when i looked at it and how it's how it sits now i wanted to be like there's no extremity like i've talked about when we go to the monster in the horror movie theme extremity is that sort of what's guiding that but um i think this is a a more accurate read is sort of depth and yeah and if anything it's the opposite right because i actually think mike uh jonathan marianne are actually i think all examples of people who initially come off as an extreme in some way but actually have a strength somewhere else right it's the the dinosaur who is really good at uh philosophy or whatever right like that um that that meme raptor uh, raptor philosopher or whatever um where it's you know big scary monster but is actually really good at this other thing that's completely contrary to your initial expectation and that's i think how they're defining well-rounded marianne is this like there's so much content about her talking all the time and never shutting up and and being so energetic and outgoing but her personal journey when she's in confessionals is about 
not fitting in and being scared and like almost like an introvert, right? Like struggling to connect. Mm -hmm. That's not how people see her, right? They see her as this like flamboyant, energetic, like energizer bunny, but her story is not that, right? It's she's trying her best to fit in because she's scared she doesn't um right like that like that's actually pretty beautiful um and they're doing a really good job on that story i think specifically um like i went from like i i went on the roller coaster i went from a marianne hater at the start like oh my goodness to wow i actually totally see what's going on here and she's honestly one of one of my favorites at this point mm-hmm. I think you're starting to see that with other characters who just seem to lean into their one thing and never let it out. That's sort of the red flag. Like, sort of, Drea mm-hmm. High is getting there where High started very complex, but now he's all about the game and it only just seems to be ramping up. So yeah. I think these are sort of red flags for these people, where it's the people who, as you said, had an extremity at one point, <laughs> not like a limb, but just like... <laughs> An extreme part of their personality and are being shown to be more than just that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, additionally, we have this idea of your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. Um, and, and, and here we kind of put this idea at the merge of sticking with your four or not. And at this point, it's very clear that all the people in the majority want to end the people that were with them longest. You know, like each one of these large groups and i think that's probably part of that specific one um but obviously also we see uh people give up rice with the negotiation scene that everybody loves yeah i think the thing we're seeing with this is that this is such a relationship heavy season but then you get the contrast of that which is really these characters and chanel and tori who just sort of totter around the beach on their own and don't seem to talk to anyone um Mm, and romeo right you have who is it who goes up to him and is like hey listen like it was almost like uh uh tyson with coach and he heroes versus villains like hey dude like you can't do the yoga anymore you know like (laughs) like people think it's weird and people think you're weird they go up to um romeo and are like like i know you hate sitting around the camp and telling camp stories but like maybe spend a little bit more time around the camp saying camp stories (laughs) that was really funny yeah for sure just a very against this sort of solitary play and that's where i think marianne comes in where even though it's not she's not in the majority, she's always trying to make her way in and sort of yeah. analyze her her perspective on where she fits in and how how she could do better. Hundred uh, percent. Obviously, we have you know Omer and Mike having a bonding scene this week, even though they already did at the merge. Yeah, like, it's two episodes ago, so they had to replay the exact scene. Uh, this I was. This, this is the one scene where I'm like, why was this in it? Like, they already had this in the merge. Like, could they talk about something else, right? Like, I don't know. But uh, additionally, your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you, I think is also relevant to the advantages of it all. And Omer is somebody who, basically, we learned this week that the outliers think he's with them and so he has a lot of power that way um but there's also been this story all season of him knowing about marianne's idol and talking about wanting to use it if this group's gonna fracture i think that's Chekhov's gun right like i think that is still the moment that we talked about last week i like i said i don't think this group's gonna hold to being the final like just the finals um i think we're gonna see something happen and i think that um 
turning point is going to be Omer weaponizing Marianne's idol. Because hmm. that's like, like, there's also this theme of artillery, right? Like, you want to have people with firepower in the f- form of idols and advantages so you can help and, and yeah. destroy your enemies and stuff. Uh huh. Yeah, it's, it's weird to have that stuff. It's about having the stuff on your side. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to have so much of it sort of in Drea's court right now. Like, yeah, like such a weight. Um, I don't like it, makes me think like, maybe that all exits and that's about what's left. Like, maybe a lot of it doesn't get used. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's totally possible. I mean, she has two idols, almost three idols, right? Like, she could have three idols. And, and yeah. the thing with that is like having known two idols, I mean, it doesn't work out too well. Like, look at James, right, in China, like. Eventually, people are going to do the math and be like, wait a minute, if we don't vote them out right now, they are automatically the final five or final four. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you start to do that math earlier the more somebody has. So, um, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I think we have this idea of authenticity, religion. Mike has this cute moment where he's like, you know, we all ain't all that different. Um, Omer has a line where he says, Mike's all about empathy. And obviously we have Mary Ann being kind of a good representative representative of authenticity. Uh, I think we're seeing this all over the place. Um, but also the contrary, right? So um, maybe this is a little bit uh, odd to talk about, but I think it's very clear at this point that this is a story is Omer makes sacrifices um, for his beliefs right so he is making sure like and we get that over and over again throughout the season i think at this point it's very clear um that that's a big part of his story is uh the the dedication to the rituals and uh everything that he believes and then you have high on the flip side um basically sacrificing things for strength for ability to keep up in the game um you know for example he's eating meat right for example um as the big one and I think they're actually being intentionally put at odds here for that. I don't know if I love that theme, personally, uh, but I think it's very clear it's one that they're telling. Yeah, lots of talk about being yourself, and when when something comes against that, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, like, what's right to do? I feel the season wants to stick with, like, do what you believe in. And, yep. yeah, that is sort of not playing the best with when you involve like people's beliefs and all of that in there but but yeah i think this plays with um the well-rounded person theme like the depth there yeah like like it's all about like what you see versus what you actually are and how those two play together no i'm with you there for sure and honestly joe i am uh like my theoretical winner skill level is like going up like i think more and more i'm more like oh well-rounded they're actually finding as having depth that's a whole lot better than what i thought well-rounded was in episode one right of like probably like a total milk milk toast boring winner um but i i think we're actually probably getting a good winner uh and it's just they they are defined by being more than initially perceived yeah which is way better than sometimes not winning immunity is just as good with erica you know um last season um (laughs) so definitely good that way too um any ones that you want to talk about here joe um mike did sort of drop i didn't come here to eat i came here to play again um the monster in the horror movie like oh yeah for sure he's the monster I think that's a really interesting twist to it. Is so this it almost the most seems- broken metaphor in Survivor history? 
Like, they cannot decide what the monster is, right? I think it's just the, like I said, the extremity, the, like, difficulty. That and that time you mean the extra limb, right? Sure. Um, yeah, because it is a horror movie, after all. Um, the difficulty they're trying to attribute to 26-day Survivor. We'll call it that, because we don't know if it will continue this way or what it looks like. But making sure this is not an easy experience, we're not making it easy for them. Um, and really, I think they're starting to show how that can play into things. Whether it's legitimate or not, there was like a subplot of the people who gave up immunity were not vulnerable yeah. at Tribal and like showing that impact that like how important food is. Like, Drea's like, I want to compete, but I have to eat. So, um, so yeah, I think they're once again focusing on this. It's just now sort of put in this weird like there's a monster and it's playing survivor in 2022 yeah 100 percent. it's playing survivor in 2022 but it's also jonathan i think at this point it's very clear it's also jonathan um at the at the reward challenge he like like roars after he wins and then they do this smash cut to him just in the water like he's yeah, just gone such an emphasis on his like showy moves like mm-hmm. uh, like his dives and like his underwater like professional swimmer swimming yeah he looked like a dolphin in there like it it was just like a weird scene i think it's very like i think he's probably going to go on an immunity run at some point and and be like this unstoppable monster like i know it's super weird because he's not winning them now uh but i think we are going to see that like i think we are getting this fear of him of uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there with him specifically at this point and and then i guess jeff's also so the monster <laughs> and the blood obviously right like i mean the the red paint is like you, mm-hmm. you mentioned saw immediately yeah. like uh it's clear that they're taking some horror inspiration this season mm-hmm. uh the only other one i wanted to highlight honestly here is i mean the anti-scheming uh stuff is is all over this season i think that's a big reason i'm softening on it like romeo did nothing wrong and I thought all of those scenes were pretty nasty. Like, you're talking about voting him out next, and he's on the bottom and doesn't even know who to vote for. That's not being paranoid. It's not paranoia if you are actually on the bottom and correct. If yeah. Roxroy was going bananas, yeah, maybe there's a point there. Romeo's on the bottom. What do you mean he's being paranoid? Yeah, and towards the end, they sort of Mike shifted that to High, being like, "Oh, High yeah. is now the one who's the paranoid one." Um, yeah, not great for High either. I think it also potentially plays into Omer's story. I think Omer is getting painted as more schemy than mm-hmm. anything else. And so if that's sort of his focus and he's not truly well-rounded, like that's where there could be trouble. Yeah, 100%. Like that's the biggest red flag there for Omer. And the fact that, I mean, at this point, back in episode two, uh, Omer has a confessional where he says, Jonathan is my meat shield, but I'm his brain shield. So I'm going to Jonathan and saying, hey, we're ride or die. We're the odd couple, right? That scene. Um... I mean, I think that at this point, Omer is more of the brain shield than Jonathan is the meat shield, right? Like, Jonathan is not a meat shield. He is a competent survivor player in the merge, right? Like, he is... He might be the leader, right? Like, he might be in the best spot. Yeah, it's not... At this point, he's sort of everyone's shield. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. no one is not seeing what he means to them in terms of the game. And I think that's why it's more dangerous for Omer, where he's clearly Jonathan's, like, brain shield, the smart one. And if Jonathan goes on an immunity run, like, 
that that brain shield thing really comes to fruition. Like we can't get out Jonathan, but let's get out his closest ally. Yeah, definitely agree there. Uh, and yeah, I mean, other than that, like I think we're pretty on top of it like and i think anything else that we're not talking about this week is still coming up it's just less the winner story and so like really what i'm expecting from our winner is going to be somebody who has more depth than initially expected it's a positive energy around at all times um is able to provide something to other people whether that's a service whether that's uh having some competence around camp being able to help people in some way um i think for me that's actually like a a key checkpoint this season is we need a scene of them making or doing something for somebody else um and honestly right now all my winter contenders i think satisfy that need um but still um and then honestly somebody who is completely like this having more depth than initially seen but being devoted to what makes them them above everything else that's i think what we're going to be looking at at the end and i mean i know that we talk about this a lot um but i think maybe we haven't so much this season Uh, we've had like amazing success with these exact lines that we pull for the stories and theme section actually popping up at final tribal council right like as a jury speech or as a jury question or as a finalist speech or something like these come up a lot. And I think these will actually come up, um, especially the most well-rounded being able to like your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. Uh, the importance of being a provider. Like I think all that stuff is a hundred percent coming up here at final tribal. Yeah. I really feel one of the main criteria for at least what they'll tell us people are judging or basing their jury votes is sort of excelling in all elements of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, not leaving anyone part to the wayside, especially if they split it into social, strategic, physical um, sort of, if anywhere there's a gap in that, like, like talking through that gap and then maybe also thinking about if there is that gap, how does it apply to who they are as a person? And yep. is that okay? Did they do what they could as best they could? Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, the only I guess the only other one to maybe mention is just like adaptability um and just you know being flexible right like i think that's also a way to kind of say like being a passenger but being ready to drive when needed like rolling with the punches i think we're seeing a lot of people do that but again we'll continue to see so that's our uh themes and story section and we'll jump here into the kula kula tribe kula kula romeo's really attached to it he likes that it twice yeah that's and- the only reason i know it like i can hear romeo saying it <laughs> but yeah and uh, apparently they are a kumbaya tribe again i thought i thought mike said no to kumbaya no they are so yeah so uh let's start here with drea who had a big week this episode was like she was probably the main character right mm-hmm. yeah found found another advantage but uh, i think once again it's just like it's almost just like for drea to win this just swell of advantage related content just has to overwhelm like basically like survivors storytelling methods <laughs> because they're almost not in the same sphere like if drea wins i feel like a lot of our work listing all these stories and themes kind of falls by the wayside there's bits and yeah. pieces where she fits in here but then it's just like drea won because she was finding all these advantages and really took control of the game and then Wait, like, drea winning is the dark side like if in survivor 30 when the first advantage is put into the game 
Drea winning is that super fan's nightmare. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, and now they're just going to find everything and automatically win. She's going to find the automatic jury vote win advantage and win. Like, that's how Drea wins, right? Is It's just a complete overwhelming of the Mac, like, of, of Survivor, right? It's no longer a social politics game. It is now a find things game. And I, for one, Joe... Do not think that's the era we're in. Yeah, Andrea winning is like Ben's story told with even less tact. Um, but yeah, I I don't see it happening. But then again, it's just of the people I have eliminated. She just feels <laughs> like the one who could really hammer her way through and win this. Um, yeah, yeah. I have her shockingly high, but I do have her eliminated. Yeah, um, same. Mostly because, and I don't know if people have, like, or, or maybe it's the new era, something like that. I'm an old school viewer, right? Like, I'm going to view this. Like, honestly, generally, my, my philosophy is that things ain't actually all that different um, now than it was in 38 or 36 or whatever. I think more or less their fundamentals are the exact same. I, yeah. And I think they will always more or less be the exact same. Maybe some small things change here or there but and they i yep. mean like the narrative direction of the show um, yeah to, inter- to interject i think things have always been the same the shift has really been in what players are vocalizing and what editors are showing mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree and one thing that i think holds true is if the winner's finding an idol they are going to be having an emotional powerful moment with it drea finds these things like i file my taxes you know what i mean it's something she does and she has to uh it's a compulsion uh but she doesn't even seem that excited by them (laughs) even like and maybe that it it could be her character she is extremely like stone-faced you know like she has her amazing laugh but someone yeah someone said when she laughs she doesn't smile with her eyes Mm. and it's so true and like i like drea but (laughs) i love her she's she's actually an amazing character for that reason if you casted 18 dreas it would be the worst season ever but one with the cast of kooky people is actually really fun because she is extremely even keel does not get excited is like completely flat kind of like a cody nixon in big brother for any big brother watchers right Ah, yeah that's that's who she is right is it's the the stonewall kind of thing and so like she is so like i said like picture when jeremy finds an idol in cambodia and it's like this is literally a representation of val and like like this is a metaphor for my kids and like those scenes matter a lot dre has got nothing like that that said, if anybody was to completely be unfazed by finding all these things, it would be Drea. So that's like honestly the one thing in her favor is her personality type. Like I, I don't, I don't think she were missing stuff on the cutting room floor about her like crying about her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or anything like, or even profound change in her life because of Survivor. Like, Drea knows who she is from day one. This is not a growth story for Drea at all. I think actually on the beach, right? Like, I'm, she's just doing it, right? Like, she's just naturally in her element out there. Yeah. And she turns down food because she doesn't like peanut butter. <laughs> you know, like, she just doesn't Wild. care that way. <laughs> Wild. Um, yeah, I think... It's just weird how her alliances also don't seem to matter. Like, I mean, obviously she just really ditched Romeo. I think that's a big hanging thread more on Romeo's side than hers. But like, you think back to like episode one, she was ready to like get rid of Roxroy. And Mm -hmm. now that's like her closest ally. (laughs) Like, 
Um, yeah, that stuff's the most damning part for her. Like, that's why she's eliminated. If she was just completely devoid of any personal content, I would maybe still have her hanging on, but you know what I mean? Like, barely clinging on. Because, like, inherently, if you do Survivor enough times, someone like Drea, who's going to give you... I don't want to say give you nothing, because I think she she's a great character. It's just, like, give you not what you're looking for for winter content is going to win the game, right? Like, that's going to happen at some point. And what do you do when you're a narrative show and the person who is so plot focused? Like, I think Dre is probably only talking about what's happening directly relevant at that time. You know, yeah. at some point that person's going to win if you do Survivor enough times, like Keith Nail's going to win Survivor, like some like stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, one day it could be Drea and the, the answer that you're looking for is probably other people talking about Drea. So that Romeo story for a while seemed possible, but that seemed to broke, break off, but maybe they come back together. If that happens, maybe, maybe there's a world, um, but overall, like, she just doesn't have a story at all other than she has stuff, you know? So that's not a great, great shot. Yeah, I was, so I said I had some spicy takes for next boot and since I was right with Chanel, I was going to let you pick first, but I don't think I'm going to overlap if I say Drea is my pick for next week. Really? I think that would be, I mean, maybe it's more wishful thinking than anything, but that would be spectacular if she just thought she was a no danger, played none of her four advantages and left. I feel like that I plays into it. <laughs> it plays into like, there's like this, I don't know, thing where like when it, whenever a reality show adds in a twist it always seems to play out in the worst way possible for the show <laughs> so, like true. i think drea like finding every advantage she had access to and then just losing them all spectacularly would be amazing yeah. and like it's it's funny because people complain a lot about advantages and stuff like that and i'm definitely guilty of that sometimes but almost no advantage they've ever introduced has done anything you know what i mean like other like Advantage meaning non-idle, right? Uh, I guess the one would be, uh, and you're right, it's usually the worst scenario, right? Like, the 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 one that does is the legacy advantage that insta-murders Suri, you know? Like, stuff like Advantage Geddon, right? Apparently they loved that, but, you know, it's it's usually bad, I, I agree. I think there's a curse there. Um, but also, it requires, like, knowing what's going on, and if people know you have stuff, they're gonna make it harder for you to know what's going on, right? Like, that gulf emerges, um, and you're right, like, I think she's gonna leave soon, next week, I think might be too soon, um, mm -hmm. but I, I don't think it's not a possibility, and, like, if you're anybody in the game, even if you're number, like, even if you're Roxroy, I feel like optimal play is voting out Drea, right? Maybe not Roxroy specifically, but pretty much everybody else. Yeah, you have other people to go to that that you can depend on. But yeah, Roxroy is maybe the worst where he, he kind of needs Drea to get him yeah, to the end of the to, game. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Roxroy might be the one one non-exception there, but uh, or the one exception. But uh, for Drea, it's just like the other thing with Drea is she's very um, flow with the wind. Like she clearly has absolutely no loyalty whatsoever to anybody, and I, I don't think you want that person, even if you think you're really good with her having that much power like we saw on um on her original tribe on ika her go from targeting roxroy to targeting swathi to targeting tori like she is not loyal at all like she does not care at all like the way she treats advantages is also how she treats alliances and it's just not um a strong connection yeah yeah so that brings us to hi
And welcome everyone to the Low on High Club. I'm glad you can finally join me here. (laughs) Joe, I have high last. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like zero chance. Yeah, just he did not get what he absolutely needed right off the top of the episode was like, oh yeah, I voted out my closest ally, but... It was good for my game. And instead, it's more of just delusion, really. Like, dude is acting yeah. like he made the biggest move of all time this week. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he has the arrogance, or arrogance might be harsh, but like, he has the like ego and pomp and circumstance of a Shanna Ricard last season, but he's done nothing mm-hmm. at all. And they've made it clear he's done nothing. Yeah. I, th- I feel like they're really setting him up for a tremendous downfall. He's almost turned, like, not with the negativity yet, but, like, very villainous. And, like, yeah, yeah, he's I think there's a potential his last episode is very negative, and he's the, like, super negative, like, get him out of the game. So, Joe, my pick... So, I mean, I kind of buried my lead on who I think's gonna leave. But I think if I'm wrong, and it's not Tori and uh why am i forgetting who tori and romeo i think it'll be one of them and hi like i think he is not long for this world uh you're right like i think he could literally go ottn5 on the way out the way they've built this story uh he's he just comes off delusional um i'm sure he he's not like i'm sure it's overstated a little bit like but like we're not hearing why he's doing these things you're right like he does not comment on voting Lydia, who he was saying he would go to rocks for. Um, his story is at times completely at odds with what everybody else is saying makes a good survivor player. He's been labeled as paranoid. Like, Mike, who I think is our most trusted narrator uh, <laughs> at this point, doesn't say Romeo's being paranoid. He says High's being paranoid. Like, so they're at odds and High's not beating Mike, you know? So really bad shots all around for High. Yeah. <laughs> And like I like I would give Roxroy thirty times more win equity than high for sure. <laughs> like, um, it's it's wild, and uh, yeah, he's just getting the worst content. Like last week, he's talking about how he needs agency, and then he votes out Lydia, and then this week he's talking about he needs to be the driver of the car, and he's gonna like. Romeo's playing himself out of the game and he's going to make sure that this works and we don't even get to see him changing. I mean, we're never going to see him changing his mind, but we get no indication at all of him not bending. You know what I mean? Like he is locked in and he just doesn't do it. Right. It just, this happened over and over again. It's so bad. Yeah. I think in the past I've compared him to Ricard, where I think he's someone the show is sort of setting up to be a really great player who was robbed by circumstance. I think now the comparison off the top of my head is War Dog, where the one who looks like they had a lot of game and agency, but is now <laughs> twisting into a very bad spot in the game. Joe, I was literally going to make that exact same comparison. I was like, we've made a lot of Ricard comparisons. That is harsh to Ricard, who dominated the pre-merge, right? like absolute freaking beast of a performance and then honestly dominated the merge like maybe he made a slightly wrong call voting out shan but he made it to five and like if he wins one immunity he wins like that's not so bad um all things considered honestly ricard probably is in your top 25 players ever right high's not cracking that list you're right he's totally the war dog um, and in the same way too, like Wardog would ter- like voted out 
um like did have some great moments right like he votes out chris uh in 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 edge of extinction and that's presented as like him figuring out the clues and everything like that but then his story just kind of stops making sense and he makes a big move and then is immediately voted out right like that's probably what we're gonna see with hype and like war dog's great but you know I- i'd oh, yeah. rather be compared to ricard at the end of the day you know like i said high is great at moments too but yeah 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 for sure and like i obviously like i would one-to-one right like the cr- voting out chris move and the uh the jenny move i think are pretty much the same episode even you know what i mean like the same spike um for for war dog and high so yeah like i i'm totally with you there and like what war dog came like ninth or tenth or something like that so um maybe maybe even seventh or eighth but that's where i think he is he has no personal story at all that's positive um just very last yeah uh which brings and i I think we're both more like i think you're thinking he lasts longer than i am yeah maybe a little like yeah, the like, eighth, eighth or seventh makes sense to me too yeah i feel like he's the first i feel like he's the first of the group to leave hmm. eh, i don't know i think for, Actually, for no, I, don't think I think he's gonna make a move so i think yeah. i'm i think i'm disagreeing with myself he's one of the first to leave um yeah. but yeah because you're right he's, he kind of has to pop something if, if he doesn't if he is the first to leave that's like really bad um but it means like the, the editors liked him to some degree but um, still love you. Uh, let's jump here to Jonathan, who I think this is a really bad episode for him. I, I've been seeing that, and I I have not fallen off of him. I think as hard as many other people have. Um, to be clear, I have him fourth. I mean, not t- like you know, he went from what did I have him at last week? I have him, uh, you know, from third to fourth. But to me, it was a big enough drop that I took him off my list yeah so yeah can you explain what yeah, happened so or didn't happen i think is it's mostly of- the didn't happen it's just the narrative stopped being about him and now i think it, he, now i think he's looking more like a rupert or an ozzy or something like that like maybe and, and like those players made it far like i think he's probably here for the long haul I think he's probably still our main character for the most part it just you know like mike goes up to him and he's laying down you know he's like oh yeah sure whatever you know he has no skin in the game we don't surely he has some thought on this you know he talks about the game at like zero. He just kind of says yes. Uh, it, it's just the it's more the lack of substance when our other contenders or my other contenders did get that, you know. And to me, um, the more that happens, the more it's like, oh, he's a great character who probably goes far, but just isn't the winner, you know. Like I, I just think he's no longer on track with the story. See, I Where guess this week was all about how great he is, right? Like, yeah. realistically, the thesis of last week was Jonathan is more charming than you thought, more savvy than you thought, more athletic than you thought. He's everything, and he's everybody's shield, and everybody wants to bring him there. No one's talking about that this week. I think so. I also dropped him from third to fourth, but I left him on my contender list. I just think it still tracks with what I was expecting. I think last episode did sort of establish where Jonathan fits in. He's not obviously not going to go when he doesn't win immunity. He's a shield for people. And I think this episode, it wasn't the most content, but it reinforced that. We saw him be really strong in challenges. Um, he talked like about who he is a bit. And I think it's okay that the sort of post immunity stuff wasn't about him at all. Cause I, I think he 
he didn't really have a stake in this. Like, sure. I think Chanel or Romeo, like, he was fine with either. <laughs> and so I think that's fine. It wasn't an episode. I mean, obviously, Marianne apparently saved herself by volunteering to give up her for rice. So, yeah, I think... Like, don't you think he'd have a confessional being like, I don't care who leaves? Not necessarily. I don't know. I feel like it was... He just fit in just right. I don't know. <laughs> I get what you're saying, and he did still have a a perspective, right? It was, I'm not voting for anybody who gave up food or gave up immunity. So it's not the end of the world. It just, to me, was an, like, it just didn't have enough. I think if he's winning, it would be a coronation. And this is the first episode where he's been toneless basically right like he hasn't had any sort of there's no flavor on it at all it was just exactly what happened uh and that's the first time where it's like he's not being like if this guy's winning they're gonna be really freaking happy and <laughs> it just doesn't feel like that like why not have him talk about his life or something this week instead you know like i think that's what we've seen generally with winners who don't have anything to do that week like they'll have a emotional scene or something he didn't i think i don't know i think we we do edgic in terms of positive and negative and mixed but jonathan's like tone quote unquote is his physicality and yes they didn't stray away from that. Like that's true. How they, we saw more of it. So I think, yeah, a lot of times he's positive because of what he's doing for his tribe via his physicality. They still showcase that here. It just wasn't. And I mean, in a sense, it was positive. He had this amazing comeback win. Yeah, but no, you're right. Like you still leave this very positive on Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, it just didn't have enough story. And honestly, I think my big thing is that no one is talking about shields anymore. I think that's okay in this episode where no one was talking about. I it was as though all seven of them could win. <laughs> so I think that's fine. Yeah, you're totally right there. It just. To me, it's enough to drop him because I could see another version of this episode being like, why not have Jonathan give a confessional about not voting out the people who gave up immunity? You know what I mean? Like, surely he talked about something, but he didn't. Right? Like, he just kind of, we hear that that's what he's doing, but why? Why does he care so much about that? Right? Like, surely there's more substance. We've seen that generally he is good at providing more gravitas and story to these moments, but there's just nothing. I don't know. It was definitely, we talked about Jonathan and Marianne being, have like, their their tied fates. It was definitely such a positive episode for Marianne that she is now above Jonathan for me. Yeah. But I, it, his episode wasn't like overtly like a plus for him, but wasn't a negative either. So I was like, well, I'll just hold on to him. I, I think, think, you know what? You're, you're totally right there. I think the big issue, honestly, like, I didn't really think about it till you mentioned this. But the biggest issue for Jonathan is that this was a really good episode for Marianne and their their fates are intertwined. You know mm. what I mean? And every good Marianne confessional is a dagger to Jonathan. Like, inherently. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, especially story-wise, like, they still are at odds. And the more, especially Marianne's content is about being excluded and, like, an underdog. And the more that, that um ultimatum of Jonathan saying... At some point, like, I need to be very careful about this narrative, because if I lose control at all, Marianne, like, I, I'm the six foot five guy yelling at the five two young girl, right? Like, the more that ultimatum starts to look like I could see a world where that happens, right? Like, the more she gets more underdog, the more he's 
looks more monster. Yeah. So, because I, I think if anybody's going to have, like, a fight with Marianne, it's going to be Jonathan. And the the more the story is about how, like, that, about that foreshadowing, the, the more I'm going to sour on Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Kind of outguessing it a little bit, but I don't know. Uh, so let's jump here to, and I guess, Joe, where do you think he's going? Like, if he's not the winner... Where is he landing? Mm-hmm. Not final tribal council, like six fifth fourth finale. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. Um, which is so weird for this type, like. But I mean, maybe he he he'll probably leave at whatever immunity he doesn't win. Yeah, in the finale or right around the finale is sort of what I'm. Thinking. Yeah, which brings us to Lindsay, who is on the show, Joe. Okay, I think this was a good episode for Lindsay. Oh, it was. It totally was, yeah. But it's just, her edit is so bizarre. Like, she still doesn't really have a place, but the content she got, there was just this very stark contrast between Chanel and High arguing at the beginning, um... Drea and Romeo having their confrontation. And then Lindsay is very calmly explaining to Marianne like what happened with the vote. Yeah. She's being truthful. And it just is like, that's such a good scene. And then she had her very good moment about the drivers and passengers thing. Like, and I think she was shown really nicely in contrast, like to Jonathan. Like she was yeah. keeping up with Jonathan. And so it was all this really nice stuff for her. It was enough to like make me uneliminate her and boost her all the way to fifth, but like still really skeptical. I also have her fifth. I think we might have the same list. That sucks. Well, I think um, I think this episode really. I think a lot of people's lists are really similar at this point. Yeah. Like you have two very. At this point, it's clear. Like there is a. Yeah. There are three character, three or four characters that they're telling you to invest in, and then everybody else. Yeah, for sure. Like the ordering might be different, but you know what I mean. Like it, I think it's very clear that you know at some level your list should be Jonathan, Mike, uh, Marianne, Omar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then, yeah. Whoever, right? Like then it's a, then it's a dog race a little bit. Um, to me, the the clear next is Lindsay. Um, because yeah, like it's not that she has anything wrong. Like there's other than she's not on the show enough. Um, that's like her the only real con, and we know nothing about her. But that could come, right? And if anybody's gonna be your Sophie or Ooh. Natalie White style winner, it's gonna be her. And she actually has the backing right now for that. Right, like she's actually more visible than them at this point. Uh, yeah, and like you can totally see how she would beat. Like I don't know, like maybe she does beat. Like I could see a world where she wins against like High and Jonathan or something. You know what I mean? Like there's a world where something like that happens. Um, or a lot of people. I think she beats. I think she beats all of everybody except for the people we mentioned. And I think she could beat some of the people we mentioned. Um, I think so, yeah, that's maybe the trickiest part is to imagine her getting to the end with yeah. the, a combination of people she can beat. But yeah, yeah I think easily be a losing finalist too. But like, there's more depth to this story than it seems at first. Yeah, I think like. I thought about sort of a Sophie type winner and I'm like, maybe she's a little quieter seeming to me or her content isn't as complex as Sophie. But if this drivers and passengers thing is really important, she fits that almost perfectly where she has always been in an okay spot and has had no reason to drive. She's not been shown negatively. I mean, she was like presented not great in the last pre-merge episode. 
but it wasn't outright negative, I think. She, I don't know, it seems if they want to be what they think is experimental with their winner, they could give Lindsay this development in the finale, um, and then have her win. And they'll be like, whoa, what is Survivor doing? But it it makes a sort of sense. (laughs) It it totally does, and... I think Sophie is the best comparison, right? Like, Sophie's... And and this is... So, again, like, I don't think it would be unconventional because I think... uh, And this is always my tirade here is, like, the unconventional is, like, maybe for the 30s, but Sophie's edit is, like, middle of the road to the entire season. You know, that's what Lindsay looks like right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's a more obvious villain for her to go up against, but Coach looked like the winner for most of the season and then took a negative turn. And then once he took the negative turn, it was the story is now how he's going to lose. It goes from how Coach is going to win to how Coach is going to lose. And then he actually loses in the final tribal. Um, He fumbles his words and does a very bad job and his ego and everything like that's built up. Someone like Lindsay could easily sneak in there if any of our contenders turn negative. You know what I mean? And I, for one, can imagine a world where Jonathan is. And it would be what he said. He said if he ever yells at somebody, if his anger loses control, and we have that foreshadowing, well, he's going to lose the game. So I could see a world where it's even Jonathan, Lindsay, and anyone else, really. And Lindsay's the one who stands out as she was nice and kind. And we still need a little bit more development. But for Sophie, that came in the second last episode, uh, Mm -hmm. when she really starts digging into coaching is really funny. That's all she needs. Like, she would be the, if well-rounded isn't what we're saying it was before. And it's just like, keeping your cool. Well, there's Lindsay. She's freaking chill AF. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely some uh for Lindsay bias. I love a under the radar fun character. And yeah, that would be a fun winner, I think, for me. I hate it. But um <laughs> like while she had a good right when she's like, yeah, my survivor play is sleeping. I'm like, oh my God, like why are you playing? <laughs> like but uh like I would not like this at all. Um, like I would love all of the other people to win that I'm I'm thinking about. Um, I do like her. It's just I just don't like this style of winner. I, oh yeah, but like at tribal, like she's just sitting there. Like who is this person? <laughs> like she's yeah, just, she's like, so kooky and like 100. Um, yeah, I just but yeah, like it's mostly that everybody else is completely fallen off. Like I don't I don't see like High Drea are both right near the bottom for me. Uh, and, and with like I basically have five people who I think can win the game and three of them are so much higher than the other two and then even Lindsay here at number five is like barely holding on for her life you know it's just like I would feel I, I I think it would be irresponsible to eliminate her because she does look like winners we've had but it's really like these other people are way higher mm-hmm. um and yeah, like, I mean, she kind of fits the stories. Like, it's not amazing, but, you know, she does talk about Jonathan being her shield, right? Like, way back in episode three or four, she's talking about that, right? Like, it's that scene with Jonathan, and he's like, oh, they think I'm so scary, oh, and he's ripping the fish in half. He's talking to Lindsay, right? Like, there's enough there that you can totally see it happen. And at this point, I think, if we're to take Complex Tribe, it, it's clearly Taku, Um which is the number one thing we'll get to with Mike. I'm a little, little nervous about him for there because all my other contenders are the Taku tribe. Um, yeah, so... I, I disagree. I mean, I, I was going to be like, Complex Tribe Theory is back and it's for Vadi, but we can get to that later. <laughs> Ooh, fun. Um, but yeah, I, I like right now I'm leaning it, it would be Taku. Um, 
And that's the tribe she was on. And, and there's enough fundamentals there that I think if you're eliminating her, it's a little too early. Uh, and unfortunately, with this character, too early might be the second last episode. Um, unfortunately, if she makes it there. Honestly, my biggest con for her, I don't know if she makes it there. Yeah, she has to make it there. And with the right people, like the right people or people who aren't right right now becoming wrong later (laughs) her win equity skyrockets if jonathan turns into a villain or at least somebody who can't win the game right like she is booming then the the issue with hers is it's so conditional right like whereas these other people you can imagine a bunch of different worlds where they win you can really only picture one path for Lindsay. Um, yeah. And, think, and it's guessing things that haven't happened yet. Yeah, the biggest issue is that she requires four other people to either be out or be villains. Yeah, and- yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of thinking all... like. This is going to be a fun season to cover because I really do feel like they all kind of have longevity. Yeah. But, like, again, we've seen, like, Shan, we thought for a long time was going to go definitely finale night and she leaves eighth or something, right? Like, surprises do happen. So, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on Lindsay? I mean, I think we kind of covered it. She is the walking question mark, right? She is she is asleep at the wheel um, and, and we don't know when she's going to wake up or if she never does. Yep. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And in, in the automobile um cannot believe that they said automobile twice um the automobile trip but anyways jumping here to marianne and joe i am so close to putting marianne number one it's not funny like i have spoiler alert i mean mike and marianne are my top two and i cannot freaking decide which one is number one i think this conversation will sort of illuminate it so this was a phenomenal episode for Marianne in the same way last week was a phenomenal episode for Marianne. Um, and I just think that at this point, I can't imagine much going wrong for her other than if she leaves like next week. You know what I mean? Like the, the big issue with her is that, okay, she has an underdog story. Well, we've had a lot of survivors and, you know, our 41 seasons be underdogs and, the stories they didn't quite make it right kelly wentworth etc that's her biggest issue is, is if, if she's kelly wentworth um and not jeremy um that is my biggest con on her um especially when mike does look like jeremy you know what i mean like especially that comparison's scary for me but this week we basically establish her as the one outlier who can win we establish her with a strong emotional journey last week we learned hey she's a little bit better at this survivor thing than anybody was giving her credit on taku uh she's provided a service she made omar's or sorry omar's um uh like the palm front uh uh matt matt thing yeah like she made that like and that got a positive reception like there's a lot there with her that tr- checks off all of our boxes. Um, yeah, like, what do you think, Joe? So, for most of the season, I mean, once we discovered what Marianne was bringing, she sort of was in this very neutral spot where it was like, how else do you edit Marianne if she wins? And I think, for me, the sort of meter of that was always sort of under. Like, I don't think she's winning, but I don't know how else they'd edit her. And now she's she's risen to like the other side where it's like I I could see her winning with this. It makes a lot of sense, but I also think this is still just how how they edit her, like give her a lot of complexity and really develop this really great character they have. Um so so yeah, this is the first week I have Marianne as a contender. She's at three. Um and I do I can't see her going number one. I think 
Mike is incredibly strong. Um, but I guess her battle is with Omer, and that is one that's much closer, where uh, I really feel like Omer is starting to pull against the themes of the season where Marion is only just getting closer. Yeah. So that's sort of my battle. I don't, I'm not going to be the one to convince you to put Marion number one. I think okay. I'd be really hesitant, but, but well, yeah, definitely. I'm disagreeing with you a little, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes this happens, right? So, um, how do I put this? So, for me, the biggest plus for Marianne is that in some way she got pit against Mike this week too, right? We get a scene of her. I, I think she refers to the majority as like the cool kids or, or something along those lines, right? Like, yeah. um, and, and that is the biggest con against Mike is that, right? The only issue is, I mean, we've only ever been told really that he is nicer than everybody expected and he is more empathetic and he is kinder and sweeter and, and everything like that. And and maybe the stories Marianne doesn't get that, and that could be what we're seeing, right? Like very easy. And I do not think this is even nearly as cut and dry as Marianne and Jonathan as a rivalry. It could just be that's who is relevant at the time. But like there's a couple cons for Mike with it, and we'll get more into what those are in a bit. But the other thing is I think now we're getting a Marianne that we wouldn't necessarily have to see. We could still just be getting funny goofy Marianne at this point I think and you're right like all season we've been kind of going through the debate of Marianne is Rupert Marianne is Christian and no matter what they're kind of gonna look similar well those characters never like turn the corner into being more legitimate you know what I mean? Like, they were always fun. They were always goofy and making you laugh and stuff. Marianne wasn't funny this week, right? The <laughs> less funny she is, or stereotypically funny for Survivor, the the higher I'm going to be on her. Because we've seen what... A good example would be Elaine, I think, right? Is heart of gold and has some strategic insight. But overall, the story, when you look back at Elaine, is, well, she was fun and heartwarming. She had a few moments of some strategic skill and stuff like that. But overall, it was like wholesome goodness. Uh, Marianne, since the merge, has kind of ditched the wholesome goodness kooky stuff into just being a survivor player and that's really good for her yeah oh yeah definitely that's i think what sort of has pushed her into my contenders i i just think there is a world where they do that and it's just to develop the character agreed yeah i 100 agree with you there and like we also like the other thing with marianne she could lose a jury vote even if she makes it there and I think making it there is really hard. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, yeah, where she is right now, she's this incredible underdog. Um, At the end of the day, like, remember why she's an underdog. It's because people find her grating. But that's an amazing reason to take someone to final tribal council. Right, but sorry, I mean, that's also an amazing way to not win the yeah. jury vote, right? Like, um, that's the thing is for me... I think, one, she's an underdog and, you know, oftentimes the underdogs will get killed before they get to not be an underdog anymore. So that's a con for her. But also, I don't think it's a slam dunk she wins even if she may even if she overcomes that hurdle, which I think is a big one. Those are the two cons for me. Other than that, there's none, really, for me. It's just like, at some point, her story could end. Um, it's a really good one, but it could end. Yeah, I think, sort of like Lindsay, Marianne's the next step up in this five, where, like, 
she needs the other three to not be there. Or, and like, yeah, yeah. I, I almost think for everyone, for Mike and Omar especially, like, can't be there. They could even go a little negative, and I think they'd still beat Marianne, because Marianne has that negativity already. Agreed. Jonathan, I could think, gets so negative that it outweighs Marianne's, but, but yeah. Agreed. I think Marianne can beat Jonathan. I think Marianne could beat everybody other than Mike and Omar. And I, I agree with you there. Like, which is like, what is this end game that Marianne's there, but Mike and Omer aren't, you know, like that's my biggest thing is, is just the logic of it all. Um, but story wise, she hits everything at this point, right? Like she has an amazing line about shields. She has like, she provided a service, like all this stuff. It's all there. Um, and she's got like, in my opinion at this point, is getting the edge on Jonathan. So, um, very high on her, very close to being number one, but I think is going to settle at number two here. Um, but to me, it's literally, it's Mike and Marianne giant jump to, to my number three and then giant jump from there. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, any other thoughts on Marianne? Nope. I did think her stuff was really powerful this week. Like, um, and, and like, honestly, like I-, I liked that she got a confessional in the reward challenge, right. Or I guess before it to talk about why she did it. Um, yeah. And to say it was emotional manipulation. Yeah, it was a really cool arc where, like, you saw what she was doing and you saw that it worked later. Yeah. I think that's a big bonus for her is that she was like, I'm doing this to manipulate the tribe. And then later on, she was not a contender at all. So, yeah, like the construction of this episode is very pro in her favor. That said, I mean, it was good content too, right? Like, I I think that probably gets shown no matter what, or at least in a lot of worlds, right? So it was really good content. And like, the more they shed her goofy skin for being more strategically capable, like that emotional manipulation scene, really good shot for her. Um, It just... I don't really know how it happens is the is the issue. Um, yeah. Next up, we got Mike, who I think is both of our number ones. Very Which, yeah. conventional. Yes. Moving on from what you just said about Marianne, like, how does she get there and how does she win? Mike is like, I don't how see how, not how, get there. how does he not get to the end and how does he not get like, that's the biggest strength for me right now. And yeah, no, I, I think I think the biggest thing is that where does this edit settle on this on this majority? Are are they a good group or a bad group? Um, because I almost think they need to turn bad quicker so Mike can get away from that. And something so similar to Worlds Apart where a guy named Mike flips on the majority because it's not great and starts yeah. working people but i don't know but i also could see that not happening the minority just sort of goes and mike still has those two things and makes it to the end and wins and it is very conventional right like a good example is jeremy right like in uh cambodia there's a super rootable minority right with the witches coven and will kelly wentworth and it's super awesome and jeremy's in the majority alliance and he's thwarting their plans and it never like reacts negatively on jeremy even though he's in the he's the overdog right he's just kind of detached from the drama right and i think that could be the role that mike's in right like um it's just uh kind of an interesting spot where it is a convention very conventional the biggest con for him is that he's basically been cp the entire season um but we have had winners like that at this point right like nick is basically cp the entire season uh tommy more or less like he does cool off every now and then but tony like they they all kind of have like that's kind of conventional at this point um and uh yeah i just to me it's it's he also has so many options 
Like, I could see him there at the end with, like, Tori and High, or I could see him in the end there with Omer and High. I could see him in the end with Jonathan and Lindsay. I, like, there's so many worlds where he's in the end and is winning. Like, I think he beats anybody. Yeah. And so, to go back to Complex Tribe Theory, which we have not touched on, we I was going to bring it up at the end of the pre-merge and then forgot and then forgot again. But I think Vadi is the complex one because I think they had so much attention for a tribe that has really self-destructed. We're down to just Mike and High. Yeah. High's not winning. And yeah, we got all this explanation as to that Could opening there and um, what that looks like afterward. I think Taku is interesting in that they're this unit that has just a little bit of push and pull but i think vadi is if anything the complex tribe for me yeah i mean i i think it's probably taku but i think it's pretty debatable there um and again that's the biggest con for me for mike is like i think he's just on the wrong tribe but again i mean it's not like that tribe was not developed like i think eco is not the complex tribe um and then from there whatever one of these two is going to be the winner um is going to have the winner on it and then i think you can retrofit either one to making sense because you do get a decent amount like you do get you know jonathan and Lindsay are close omer and uh marianne are close omer and jonathan are like there's a lot of relationships there um and for mike i mean none of them matter right like they just had to show him connecting with people really um but yeah like i did love his discount like we we now know what he's playing for like his his um his thesis for why he's out there to represent all the people who get discounts at denny's very <laughs> funny uh he's just an amazing confessionalist in character he's definitely my favorite as well um him or him or tori honestly at this point but tori more in like a ironic way um where see i actually just genuinely like um, and I, I am getting a little tired of like Mike connects with somebody and like listens to them and getting all these points for it. Like should be the bare minimum, right? Like being open yeah. to new people and experiences. Yeah. It's weird because there's a lot of focus on his age, but then how he how he seems to play outside of that. And so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot on like old people are usually mean and Mike's nice. That means he's the best, you know? But yeah. he does seem like a fun guy to be around and stuff like that. So I totally get it. Um like he's jokey and fun and that's it. I mean, we have had a couple weird moments. Like uh when High is really struggling with his uh vegetarianism, uh Mike's the one who's being like, ah, uh, just eat the fish man you know like there's stuff like that like well I, it tastes so good dude like there's this, like every now and then i think a, a moment where uh mike does come off a little tone deaf but i don't think that's it like mike uh holloway also like bust people around camp all the time you know what i mean like, yeah that's not disqualifying at all for uh for a winner um but like you're right like the big thing is he has options right like he has the kim spradlin options thing going on it's just there's so many variables where Mike's the winner, and I just have a hard time seeing him not like not winning or not being. Like, I guess I don't see what like maybe he's a fire making loser or something. Yeah, like, but other than that, I don't. Case. Yeah, I think he's winner or fourth. <laughs> yeah, like maybe like like no, there's not really a huge difference between fifth and fourth. Like winner or fallen angel are, are the only spots he has in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and he would make sense as a fallen angel. You know what I mean? Like. I could see it. Like, maybe the final three is all Taku. Yeah. And he's like, maybe that's where the story goes. Maybe it's this majority lines does work. And then, oh, they didn't realize that four of them are Taku, right? Like, stuff like that's possible. 
Um, but either way, like these are nitpicks on a very good conventional winners at it that hits a lot of the stories um his biggest issue is that for me is just that marianne's in the game marianne also has a lot of that upside uh and and for me it, it's it's effectively a tie but i am not gonna be a fence setter and gonna put my at number one hmm. mostly because i think marianne could be eighth place or seventh place or sixth place yeah that's whatever when you're talking about where mike could end up it's such a contrast to marianne who i still think could be anywhere from 10th to first yeah like if mike left next week i would be floored yeah for sure whereas with marianne i'd be like huh surprising and that's it that's a huge difference yeah um any other thoughts on mike nope he's a lot of fun um i think he's a good fun interesting character uh and yeah i mean i i look forward to seeing him continue to be in this game i did like his like re re um reaffirming the idea of him not being a numbers guy we hear that back at um with daniel he's like i don't know calculus but i know people i'm street smart i i liked that kind of being like theme like that would be a cool winner story like we usually they try to uh sand off those sort of edges and be like oh no the winner was actually a great player mike actually played a great game in worlds apart right like when really you know he flipped to the minority and then had no agency the entire game right like but they, they still try to kind of spin that i like that they're the spin for Mike is like, he can't add, but man knows how to connect to people. Yeah. He's like, he's like a hustler. It's, it's fun that way for sure. I don't really know why he went after Chanel. That to me seems like a mistake, but <laughs> I don't know. I love him. Or Chanel, as he says, very hard CH there. Yeah. Chanel. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's just a fun kooky guy. And like, honestly, devil's advocate here in me is Maybe he's also Rupert. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking so much about, like, well, Marianne probably looks similar no matter what. Does Mike kind of look similar no matter what, too? Like, he is uh, he is the best casting. Him and Marianne are, and Jonathan are, are their best casting, too. I think Mike goes more over the top at times, and that's what you get from him. I think yeah. they've put so much development into him as a player or where he stands in the game. And I think that's that true, yeah. what makes me he think. He could just be, like, quote, guy. You know, I, I think there's a world where he's just like wholesome moment guy and not also player. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get you there for sure. Um, and like good on him. Finally, someone standing up for the old people, you know, the seniors discount. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, let's jump here to Ulmer who I think you could argue had a good episode. Um, but also is, as you mentioned before, starting to really be the outlier in terms of every, like Mike and Marianne have a very similar story. Ulmer has a completely different story. And for him to be the winner, honestly, most more or less means that we're, we're wrong about what the story is saying which is totally in the realm of possibility right like um i have him third um and that's basically with the well maybe i'm wrong about what they're trying to tell us about this mm-hmm. i have him second and i think he's still it's weird because there's still so much convention and these episodes have been so good where it's clearly I'm winning because I'm playing the game correctly and I have options and I'm making connections. It just, it feels more and more shifty as time goes on. Like it's not quite the right type of game to be playing. It feels very, this is why you could discredit him at the end. Like, yeah, you were playing yep. the game, but 
you really connect to us? Like, yeah, he could be the Xander, mm-hmm. where it's just at the end, everybody's like, I thought you were super fake. But in, even like you can see how him being a losing finalist is possible. Like he's he's kind of gloating about like the outliers thinking he's with them and using them and stuff like that like well when they go on the jury they're gonna be like you voted for me you were with them the whole time what yeah so yeah there's there's definitely red flags there for him absolutely and yeah you're right like the whole anti-scheming thing i mean he's the schemiest in the majority and he's also the physically weakest in the majority so the story could easily turn around to like why are you with them omer like like, do you not realize that you don't fit in with this group? Mm-hmm. That said, I mean, he is positivity machine. He is strategically complex AF. Um, he's shown as the best player, right? Like, I think without yeah. question. Um, maybe Mike. You know, it's it's one of those two. But I think if you're thinking stereotypically good, I think I think you lean Omer at this point. Um, and if you think challenges are all that matters, maybe Jonathan, right? Like, I think those are who are positioned as the best three anyway. Um, and I think Omer is the one who's shown as the, the mover and shaker more than anything. And the one who you need sign off with for something to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he scores a lot of points in conventional edit, but he's sort of drifting, losing points in story. Like he applied to some of them, but now the stories that are really getting a lot of coverage are not the ones I closely tie to Omer. The biggest pros in his favor for me are Survivor 40 and 41 both had winners that repeated themselves like four times. Like I got on this show multiple times being like, Tony's edit is garbage storytelling. And I, I think I stand by that. It's just, they, they were basically reusing confessionals of him talking about lions and hyenas at, at a certain point. Right. It was just like, I can't believe that Tony is a two time winner. One of my favorite players ever. And his second win is such a dud. I think of a story. Um, when his first one, I think is one of the best ever. Uh, and then Erica's is kind of that way too. It's, she talks about, um, lambs and lions again, right? Like it's kind of funny. That's two animal metaphors in a row and repeated so much, but for Omer, he's getting a lot of repeated content as well about, oh, Mike is empathy and, you know, we come from different backgrounds, but together we work really well together. Jonathan, me and him are the odd couple. We come from completely different realms. I'm a virgin and he's not. And like, it's the same thing twice. It's like the exact same plotting. And we had him talk to Mike about the same stuff in the merge episode. It's if they're really just wanting that to be his winner story, he's the winner. Um, But like, I just... I hate that. Like, I hate if that's what we have to start looking forward to is like the winner's just going to say their two points over and over again at you till, till they're red in the face, you know, like, I don't know. Like, and, and especially cause Omar is so captivating um, that if that's the story they chose to tell, tell with him, I'm sure they could have done better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and those scenes are good. Yeah, for sure. I feel it's, it's almost too strong. Like yeah. they shot a little too high. If they if this is the, the winner story, they could have had a lighter touch and instead like are being very apparent that Omer is in the, in the driver's seat and is controlling the game. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like there's, there would be, there's like no doubt and at this point i'm starting to think he is more of a obstacle uh to overcome that said he does have some pretty key things like i think how i'm viewing this anyway and you know i i talked about how i think that likely we're losing tori and romeo i think more than likely what we then see is it's the the majority alliance and mary ann i think somehow 
Omer's going to use Marianne's idol in a, in a way to kick off chapter two, like kick off the next story that we're going to be going with. Because um, mm. there's been so much talk about him specifically not wanting to lose power of Marianne's idol. That's it. Maybe maybe Marianne idols out him or something like that. We have totally seen these sort of ironic stories before. Um, but I think it's more likely he does something really cool and big with that. Um, and maybe that's how he parlays it into a win. And that's why he's so awkward right now is like, he's, they're building him up for that big moment. But I don't know. What do you think there? Uh, possibly. I, I don't know. I think uh, I, <laughs> it's getting so hard to imagine how this majority is just going to break up and like who sticks around that's not in there. So I don't know. I'm struggling to imagine where Omer goes if he's not the winner. Like I said, I think losing finalist. And yeah, I think he tries some things and they might work. They might not work. They might work and not be as positively received as intended. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a bit more negativity to come in his story. I think he could be Ricard. Like, not in terms of placement, but in terms of, like, dominating player who just doesn't quite make it. Like, I think that totally fits for Omer. And I could imagine a world where the story is, oh, he's the schemiest one of us left. He's gotta go. Like, after all the dragons are like once you vanquish all the monsters or whatever it's like there's only one left and it's the one that we used um like i think jo- like gun to my head jonathan outlives omer like i think if you're looking at that odd couple that has not been really developed at all in the merge right like other than when omer saves them but i think if you're kind of viewing that as like alpha beta i think omer is the beta at this point like, I think Jonathan is more likely to outlive him than not. Or maybe they're there together. Like, I don't know. I could see Jonathan, Omer, and somebody else. And maybe Omer wins. Or maybe they, like, you know, like, if it's Jonathan, Omer, and Mike, I think that's actually not a impossible final three. I could easily see Jonathan and Omer being losing finalists to Mike. Mm-hmm. I think if you ask me in isolation, like, who makes it longer, Jonathan or Omer? I think Jonathan, but I think if you ask me the question, like, put them in a hypothetical boot list, like, I have Omer outranking Jonathan. And I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> I kind of see what you see, what you're saying there for sure. Like, it feels right to place Jonathan, or, like, I think what it is, is it feels so right to place him in this early merge, right? Because of archetype? Yeah. But, like, I think he's going far. So it's just we haven't seen that in a very long time, I think, because I totally get what you're saying. Like, I just think I think Jonathan has more power in this story than Omer does. Um, mm-hmm. But like, Omer's still extremely powerful. So that's what you know. I, it's it's super weird and it could change. But I don't know. I just think uh, there's just something off. Um, I think mostly that repetitive content stuff and, and, and that sort of thing. There's just not that much consideration. I think. Um, whereas they clearly love him and they're you know putting him everywhere. I feel like he'll play again too. Yeah. Yeah, you go, Omer. Um, definitely love him as a character. Um, he's what I'd look for. You know, kind of the hits all three pillars. Like they're a good player. They're strategic. They're bold, and they have like a really uplifting, powerful story. And he's pretty funny sometimes too. So like, really like him as, as well as a character. Let's bring us to Roxroy, who just vanished. Yep, not around. <laughs> There's not much to say, right? Like Roxroy, uh, he is. I think fourth from the bottom for me, but it's just because the others are lower. Um, he's kind of my Heather this year, where it's like if you're below Roxroy, you are completely in the ground because he's also eliminated, but he's like the highest eliminated guy, you know? Yeah, I could see that. It's, yeah, just a very bizarre story to be told if he wins. I I kind of think, are you pretty locked into Romeo and Tori going? Because I think I'm going to pick the other two Ika to go next episode. I think Drea gets blindsided on one 
where all the minority people are. And then Roxroy is just like in a tribe that's just majority. And they're like, well, let's get rid of Roxroy. Oh, really? Oh, my God. So, I think <laughs> that would be so dark sided. Kind of this weird story that doesn't really matter to the plot. If he just sort of goes at like 10th or 9th. Like, the. Mm, okay, so you're thinking it's. You're thinking say, it's. Say it's like. Hmm, let's put together. Hi, Jonathan, Lindsay, Omar, and Roxroy. Oh, yeah. Something like that could have totally happened. See, okay. <laughs> I just... Okay, so I'm going to interject something here because a couple weeks ago, I was like, okay, he's going to leave pre-merge because he doesn't make any sense in the merge, right? And so far, that is true. Like, he, we merged. He was on the island, completely separated from everybody. And then the next merge episode, he's invisible. They don't know what to do with him on the merge. Like, the storytelling team has no idea what to do with Roxroy, right? Like, he's literally only been separated on an island completely by himself or not on the episode. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I feel like he might be our inaugural, like, completely invisible and not on the show guy. Like, who, like, comes ninth or something. Or I guess that's now. I don't know. I, I, th- I think he lasts a little bit longer, personally. But I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you're right, because it could just be like, you know what? We have nothing to do with him, so we're going to completely cool him off, and then he's gone in the one-hour two boot. Yeah. He he does weirdly feel a bit messier now, like, in the yeah. end inconsequential to the story and Nasir did leave in this right so and I think if you sort of set that up you can um, alleviate some of that two boot one hour pressure by saying oh this one's pretty easy not very interesting and yeah uh, well see okay so my issue there is I feel like it would be like you know what maybe what it is is Tori is in Roxroy's group and wins immunity and gets to vote him out that actually would make a lot of sense that's true you gotta, yeah, considering immunity too, that can help shift things. And then if it's like, yeah, Jonathan, Lindsay, Omer, like, <laughs> yeah, really. <Sorry. laughs> I, yeah, like, I, I could totally see that happening. And then maybe it's Roxroy and Romeo instead. And it's Tori is able to cling on for dear life. Um, and maybe it is another Tori would have left, but is immune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually don't hate that at all. Um, he, he would be my backup, like beyond Tori and Romeo. Like, yeah. If one of them wins immunity or whatever, um, maybe it's him. Um, or maybe uh, like, maybe like I could also see a world where like something about this story with the sticking together and not thing makes me think we might end up with, so what Vati is the one with two and the other two have four each, four, right? So, yeah. I think we could see a world where it's four, four, one, one. Does that make any sense? Sorry. And the two groups, yeah. are, yeah. like one, one of them is Vati. One of them is Ika or dominated by them. And then Vati's one and one. I, I think we could see yeah. that happen very easily or not very easily, like by random chance, but like the story seems to be setting up something like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like kind of hard to guess there, but Roxroy at this point, it's clear they have nothing for him. Um, so yeah, maybe that does mean he leaves next week, or maybe that means he is the guy that's just kind of there. Like that happens sometimes, right? Like Butch and Amazon that comes sixth, I think, right? Like, um, Rick, yeah, like, you know, like, sometimes this character just kind of chills out, and I mean, probably that would have been this year if not for the twist, right? So Keith Nail, like, I, fe- I feel like he's totally in that mold to just kind of stick around. Um, And that's kind of where I'm imagining him. Like, I really feel like he might... Or Carl! Carl is a great example, right? Like, yeah. in David vs. Goliath. Like, I think that could just be him. Like, he's in there way longer than you possibly imagine. Like, Carl came, like, right before the finale, 
right? Um, I guess two episodes before. Um, and he also left in that uh, two-hour, uh, or sorry, one-hour two-boot, right? So, I don't know, like, maybe that's Roxroy's fate. It just, it's clear he has no story. He, I don't know, he's funny sometimes, but, uh, yeah, not not gonna be too sad if he leaves next week, because he does kind of, especially, like, the next time on, is like, he's pushing for the All-Men's Alliance. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a good way to sort of send him out. Be like, that's not really how we want to play this game. Yeah, and honestly, when I saw that scene, I was watching it with my girlfriend, and she was like, uh, really? I'm like, I feel like that might be Roxroy's demise. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, we're gonna form this all-male alliance, as they vote at Roxroy, you know? I think that's possible. Yeah. So, yeah, you're kind of warming me up there, to be honest. I feel like that kind of makes sense. Um, which brings us to Romeo. I feel like he got done dirty this week, Joe. My boy Romeo's getting uh, slandered. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) He was right. I mean, yeah, it's really a question of like, do you just keep quiet and let it not be you? Or like make a ruckus and then be like, well, it could be you tonight, but maybe you sowed a seed or two in people's minds. But he's also not doing that. Like he's not, (laughs) like he didn't have an alternative plan. That's true. Yeah. (sighs) And also it's kind of like, what happened is it the chicken or the egg like this week we got shown as he was actually in danger and then panicked but like why isn't he in this majority alliance maybe it is because he's like a paranoid rat you know like who knows um that's not what we were shown that's all we can really guess but i i feel like that might be it like if we're reading the tea leaves a little bit um Last week, I was pretty sure he was going deep. Um, this is the exact... And we, we did get this paranoid c- stuff set up a little bit last week, right? Um, so that is clearly his story. And, you know, High's going hard after him. I feel like Romeo might get one over on High, but even that I'm doubting. Like, I... Th- I- I don't think he's that long for the game anymore, but he does have a lot of story, so maybe he does? I don't know. I, I don't know where to place him, personally. Yeah, I just, I think he needs at least two more episodes worth to resolve all of his story, because his premiere was so interesting, and at times really positive, and it does not match this, like, turn to paranoid outsider quite right. I mean, maybe that's just a total story failing and things got away from them. But I think I see, yeah, he does manage to succeed a little before he inevitably doesn't win. I don't think he doesn't wins. Like, he's second to last. Yeah. It's 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 just um you're totally right. Like he has so many plot threads to wrap up that like my prediction for if any character we're gonna look back like he would be my pick right now if I had to guess like we we always do like awards at the end of like the worst edit and stuff like you know like the one with the most uh incongruencies and and uh lack of clarity he might be my pick because there is a whole lot and I doubt they all get resolved yeah. And it's even, I think, as things get resolved, it's really sharp turns around here. Like, we've sort of gone all over the place with Romeo, like, to where he was my second contender at the end of pre-merge, and now has fallen so far. Yeah, he's been on a roller coaster for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, And with that, I mean, the one thing in his favor is he does have that, um, he's still the spokesperson for, like, the weak group. So if that is going to be something, then it's going to be something. And he he could be kind of sneaking in there uh, as, like, that, the leader of the weak people, leader of the skinny boys. Um, 
that's still a big plus in his favor, right? Like that in episode one, they chose to develop Romeo and Zack so much as the skinny boys. And now we're in a merge with a strength based divide. And he's the only one talking about it on that side. Like that's still really good stuff. I think his win equity shot, but that could be good for clinging around as a cockroach. Yeah. And maybe like, may, like we're, we're getting paranoid him. Like I feel like there's a world he left this week. And that would have made sense. But now that two weeks in a row he's been established as, like, Paranoid Chaos Man, maybe that means he does, like, maybe the stories they should have voted him out because he does cause a lot of damage in this merge. Yeah. Over Chanel. Like, I I think that's totally reasonable, especially when, like, the debate comes down to Chanel is saying to Confessional, I'm going to do nothing. And Romeo's saying, I'm going to do everything. Generally, and and Tori this week says, it's Survivor, you have to do something. I think you're meant to take that at face value, right? Like, a big story of the season has been, like, having one shot and doing everything you can with it. Romeo's getting that credit. So, honestly, I think I'm starting to soften on my he's leaving next week thing um, from that. Because it is better to be presented as somebody trying, even if you're floundering. Yeah. So... I don't know. Um, this is gonna make my next boot prediction harder, but I'll yeah. still let you go first. So love it. Any other uh, Romeo thoughts? Nope. Like fun. Like enjoy him. Uh, I wouldn't be super sad if he left, but like I am kind of starting to root for him because seeing this majority is is not the most fun. Uh, which brings us to Tori, who is uh, just being awesome, just uh, really upsetting this majority, like, and is like a fun chaos element. Um, I obviously she saw Drea with the blood. Do you really think that pays off in any way? I think I think there is something there with Drea and Tori. Someone was talking about it really recently on the subreddit, but like thinking about how Drea said keeping Tori could be really bad for my game. And then Mm -hmm. she sees this and she sort of knows Drea's got something at least. And I think that could, that's why I think I can't see Drea outlasting Tori. Yeah, that's actually not a bad take at all. And like, I don't know, like, I feel like Tori also has this story of like being lucky, you know, like being, a. I would say that the two traits that you have for Tori is like dramatic, uh, tries hard no matter what lucky and sneaky right like all those sort of traits Mm. i feel like she might be the person to successfully play shot in the dark yeah possibly um like she just kind of has nine lives or whatever right like that's sort of the story um even though she's completely on the bottom and like clearly not very good at this right like um (laughs) seems like nobody wants to include her at all. I feel like we didn't talk about her scene with Roxroy last episode, where she's just badgering him about his reward. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, it's not great, but it was certainly fun to watch, so. Yeah, she has, like, these fun little moments, but, like, they're kind of at her expense, right? Yes. Like, it's like, I like Tori as a character because she brings laughs, but it's not, like, in the way when Mike brings laughs, it's because he says something funny. It's, it's like, she does something uns self-aware which is a great character like you need these characters on survivor who she's just trying to play and doing like not a very good job but it brings some fun and flavor like you're right that rocks racing was so funny and she's like why won't you tell me or like when she's like, oh my god, we sent Roxroy there for the power, Roxroy. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Like she's just like a cartoon character, right? Like she's yeah. like, yeah, like uh, she reminds me of um, is it Candace who's Phineas, Phineas and Ferb's older sister? I, as someone who has never seen an episode of Phineas and Ferb, I think you're correct. Yeah, I think I'm like that's who she reminds me of, or like like something like that, like in a cartoon where it's just like her character trait is like kind of being annoyed by the other people. Um, and you're right, like she does have this like little rivalry with Drea and functionally drea can't go that far right like number wise like she's i don't think she's winning which means she has to leave before like seven yeah and there's this round and next round for that yeah so um you're kind of starting to warm me up here to your idea of her leaving next week and that would be like like the issue for me now is i'm like it makes sense for tori to vote out rock troy and drea next week she can't (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i'm in kind of uh deep confusion here but i think uh like the issue is I think Tori outlives Roxroy and Drea, but I also somehow think Tori leaves next week. Um, but the answer there is probably that she wins immunity again. Yeah. And like, that's all it takes. And like, she's clearly the best at these things. So, um, yeah, I think you've kind of warmed me up. Like, I think she's going to outlive Drea and Roxroy. Okay. <laughs> uh, any other Tori thoughts? I don't think so. Let's talk about Chanel before you steal both of my <laughs> boots. <laughs> no, I'll give you, you deserve the credit there. Okay, Chanel, um, queen, legend, um, eh, I mean, okay, so, no, like, Chanel is fine, she just, what a weird, like, end, like, I feel like the last three episodes, she's just sort of staring off into space, and, like, she's just on her own, sort of waiting for her execution, (laughs) and then it happens. It was a really nice episode arc of her literally saying at the beginning, like, I've got to play harder, I have to do something, and then she's literally like, I'm going to stay calm, because that's what's going to keep me safe, and then it doesn't work, and her final words are like, I should have played more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think that's been a story all season, right, is, like, you you only have one shot at this, so you might as well swing for the fences, and I think anytime we hear somebody being apprehensive or, or playing cool, they're going to get voted out. Um, like, I think we kind of saw that with Lydia, right? It was the story of she's okay. She's like, I'm fine with whatever. That's when she leaves, right? That Omar takes that and runs and destroys her, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what we saw there. We kind of saw the same story here of like person decides they're going to do nothing and they leave. I think look forward to that pattern probably um that's something to pay attention to for sure i think this season's definitely hyping up doing stuff trying your hardest no matter what um chanel oh go chanel sort of has played an interesting line with that all season where she takes risks but they don't work out and then she's quiet and it also doesn't really work out or she like isn't as manipulative yeah i think chanel might not be very good at this joe um <laughs> like it seems like she was just dead on arrival at the merge like and part of it seems like she was in a good spot before she wasted like she she lost her vote right like i think looking yeah. back at it now that's the worst move of the season yeah for sure it completely derailed her game turned everyone against her and it looks like she was never able to recover i guess the question when you're evaluating chanel is did that one move destroy her game or should she have been able to make something work here at the merge because it seems like every new person she met didn't want to work with her either um and there's i think she was ruined from episode three on because i think then you had mike and high being like 
Chanel is no good. Don't work with her. And yeah. so, yeah, there is no recovery. Yeah, like, like you know, your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. And Chanel annoyed the people around her to the point, not annoyed, but upset them to the point where they could not trust with her anymore and actively destroyed her reputation right like and maybe some of that's like if she was the best social player of all time maybe she walks into those groups and they do welcome her but it didn't seem like she even played from the from that side that well right like i don't know even uh like marianne like you know she's kind of in the same spot obviously the people aren't trashing her in the same way but she's able to kind of infiltrate these groups and, and still make some sort of positive impression. Yeah. Seems like Chanel just wasn't even able to do that particularly well uh, this week. She says that she's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers, but she means it negatively. Like, I don't even know what she was... She was clearly trying to say she was playing checkers and everybody else is playing chess. Um, not her fault they included that, but like, stuff like that. I don't know. I, I, at one point, was pretty high on her. And then I think this is sort of an example of, like, sometimes when you see more, you're like, oh, okay, I kind of see why there, there's a little bit less at the start. Um, do like her, um, but it was it, you're right she did feel out of it at the merge onward yeah like dejected like just like no longer motivated kind of spaced mm-hmm. out um yeah yeah kudos to her for starting the negotiation at two though <laughs> and yeah that, right. like this group was like much more difficult with it they <laughs> and then jeff was like yeah i'm gonna settle for four but they're gonna have to make a good effort and then literally they, just says four it just works the numbers to four <laughs> what about two no what about three no what about four yes (laughs) it's not negotiation um yeah I mean, I do like that he's... It's so weird, because for transparency, I like that he said what he was going to do. But mm-hmm. negotiation-wise, it completely saps the tension that he yeah. has a number. You know what I mean? Like, knowing he has a number that he's, like, contractually ablo- um, obligated to stick to makes it not a negotiation. No, I think if he, he said four, but they have to make a good case. And then they said four, but they did not make a really compelling case. <laughs> then he was like, yeah, four. Yeah, that's fine anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's not the best negotiator. Uh, needs to learn from Angelina. Uh, but yeah, that's Chanel. Um, her story really is that she was playing well and then made a horrible mistake and killed her and her allies games, right? Like in hindsight, like Daniel really did pay the Chanel tax. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's Chanel. Uh, predictions next boot. I'm going to go first and not steal yours. So I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm going to stick to what I said. I think it's, mm, I'm going to go with it's Roxroy and high. Okay. I, so I can't, Pick Roxroy. I'm gonna still pick Dryad. Pick, no, you can pick Roxroy. Like, like as long as we don't have the same one, I think that's okay. you're fine. Okay. If it if if it we're going by those rules, it's Dreya and Roxroy. But if I must pick someone else, I would say Dreya and Lindsay. I think Lindsay could weirdly just kind of go out in a Jenna Bowman style. Like, eh. yeah, that's not, not a bad <laughs> pick for me. I just like I think. And I came into this really strongly thinking it was Tori and Romeo. And I mean, I think that might be right. I don't know. But I just feel like you kind of convinced me on Tori specifically outliving Drea. And I don't think Drea would leave next week. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. Um, And yeah, our, our winners, my list is as follows. Um, Number four, I have Jonathan, but there's a big enough jump between him and number three, Omer, that I do not have him, like, officially listed. Uh, and then I have Marianne second, and then, like, number one. I also, well, I have four on my list, actually. And number four is Jonathan. 
Number three is Marianne. Number two, Omer. Number one, Mike. It, it's sad that we have the same list, but like really, like the show has said, hey, uh, Marianne, <laughs> Mike, um, Jonathan, and Omar are your characters that are like functional yeah. and, and matter, and everybody else is you know biting at their ankle. So. Um, it was a very even season for a while, but I think that has no longer been the case. Um, but yeah, uh, that's our show. Feel free to contact us on Reddit. We have new episodes every weekend. Uh, definitely leave us a good review on, or whatever review on, um, Apple podcasts. Uh, that really does help us a lot. We see those numbers help a lot. Um, and yeah, if you need anything, you know where to find us. Uh, if you are watching closely. There was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh my gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. All the girls bro, are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can. And then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to